Thanks for listening to the podcast of Hope Church in East Hampton, Connecticut. Our mission is to love God, love people, and serve the world. To find out more about Hope Church, be sure to check out our website at cthope.com. Well, wasn't that awesome worship? Oh my gosh. So, I, uh, I come in on um, Sunday mornings and, you know, I'm, I'm trying to, you know, be in the moment and think through oh, just things that I prepared for throughout the week. And one of the things that I do is I'll come in in the auditorium and I will listen to the band rehearse and, and work through and uh, today, I didn't want to leave the room. Like, I was just like, oh, this is so good. And uh, it, there is something powerful about music, how it sets the tone for our hearts. And that's why I think, I, I talked about this before, but that's why I think, you know, when we even think about heaven and, and the Bible talks about heaven, you know what one of the things they talk about is? Music. <laughs> that it's, an, that's a, it's a language that we can speak uh, with God. And so... I don't know about you, but that was just big for me today. And also, uh, to kind of highlight what they were talking about, I mean, um, sometimes the songs that we sing are hard to sing, right? And you're sitting there, you're standing there, and you're like, I don't know if I could sing this right now. It's too hard. It's too real. Um, and I get that. So uh, I would just encourage us all to realize that God's truth that we find in Scripture is truth for us. It's truth for all generations. It will speak to us. And there's going to be a time where that's going to click for you and be like, I get it. I get it. And I see it. So anyways, very cool. Um, I, I have a confession. I don't want you to think less of me once I tell you this because, you know, um, you will... It, it, yeah, don't think less of me. Um, <laughs> never. <laughs> the, the last person who was the lead teacher here, Dan, a lot of you know him, I texted him this week and I say, I am so glad I do not have to listen to you this week. Right? Some of you, some of you know what I'm talking about. Um, being a pastor is not my dream job. I don't know how that hits you. I was almost afraid to say that, but let's, hey, let's be real. Like, like being a pastor is not my dream job. And, and honestly, um, um, like, this world that we live in almost makes it harder because the truth is, like, every time you come up here, um, it, it's... Yeah. I'm going to say it another way. Um, I heard a pastor once, and again, some of you are going to get mad at me for this, but I'm just going to say it because it's not my words. He goes, you know, preaching a message is like delivering a baby. And then what people don't realize is that Monday morning comes around and, like, you're pregnant again, and you're laboring through that. <laughs> and then you deliver this baby again on Sunday morning, and, you know, it's just this recycle uh, cycle thing. Okay, uh, I'm taking way too long on this point. Thank you, thank you. Um, I love what I do. Elders, do not get mad at me. I, I do love what I do, and I do count a joy and a privilege to be up here. But I thought I'd have some fun because I want to see how many of you know me. Like, if I had my dream job, my perfect job ever, 
um, what might that be? So, um, so, Bob, I have a slide here for everyone. I, I want to see if you guys could figure out what my dream job might be. So, A, uh, full-time musician. Um, B, high school basketball coach. Yes, I still have NBA dreams. C, interior designer. Uh, watch out, Chip and Joanna. Tom and Sarah coming for you. Uh, or D, a coffee shop bookstore owner, uh, because what's better than coffee and a good book, right? So here's the deal. Someone said that's hard. It is hard because all of these I could see myself doing. All of them. So I asked my wife last night when we went to bed. I'm like, you know what the answer to this is, right? There is an answer. There is an answer. Um, and she's like, she got it. But, like, I just wanted to make sure because it is hard. All right, so I'm just, we'll just do a poll. By a, raise of, by a show of hands, how many think it would be A? A good amount of you. Okay, cool. Uh, how many think it would be B? A good amount of you. Uh, how many people would be C? I like it. I like it. How many people think it would be D? Okay. Drum roll, Parker. The answer is B. So, no points awarded. You just, you're, it's pride. That's right, that's right. This has been my dream job for many years. Now here, like, I'm going to tell you a story about this. So, coming out of college, I was actually offered my dream job. I was, um, I came out of school, uh, had a degree in Bible and counseling, and so there was a Christian school in Pennsylvania who said, hey, come work for us. You, we want you to be, uh, teach Bible, and we want you to coach basketball and soccer. And boy, I went out there, I drove out there, and I debated, but here's what it came down to. Like, it was in the middle of boondocks nowhere. <laughs> I knew nobody, and it was like as far away in Pennsylvania as I could possibly get. And I think the job paid, well, it was pennies. Like, I couldn't even afford, like, a one-room apartment. I want to say it was like $15,000 or something for the year. Back in those days, this was a long time ago, you know, Christian high school teacher. Uh, so for all those reasons, I declined uh, that job. But here's the deal, and here's why I, I lead in with that. And by the way, all those other choices are good choices. There, there are dreams that go through my head. When I think about the book of Philippians, that, as we've been looking at, and I think about Paul, I think about him. It's like he has his dream job. It's like he's coaching this group of people that he loves and he's able to come around them and share this insight with them, to share them things that he's learned along the way. And that's kind of how like, I, I, I see it. Like, There's no other group of people I'd rather work with maybe than teenagers, right? And being able to share a, a something that, is, that I love to watch. In fact, I was at a high school basketball game just this week down the street. There's something really compelling about that. And I think that's why when we look at the book of Philippians, we see all this passion from Paul. And today we're on our last week of it. And uh, this is one of those um, series that I've encouraged you a couple things. Number one, if you don't have a Bible, get a Bible. We have them for you. Or download it on your phone and read it. 
We cannot get along in the Christian life without reading scripture. We can't do it. Um, but this is also one of those books, and I showed you the first week, where all throughout it, I just have yellow highlights all throughout it. This is a book that so many people, it has come to mean so much because there's these verses we could pull out and say, oh my goodness, I relate to that. And I think part of that is because Paul was so passionate about his audience. This was the first church that he started in Europe. And these are people who came to meet him in his time of need. In a time where he needed help and support and love. This church alone, as we'll see, came to support him financially and emotionally and spiritually. And so as I think about this, maybe it's helpful for you to think about this like a coach. Whatever it is that you're passionate about, that you would love to come alongside someone and just help people learn the ropes. That's how I see Paul in this. And so what we're going to do is we're going to read through like we've been, this is kind of a unique message series for us. We're just reading through scripture and we're commenting all the way through and we're going to do that again. And in fact, if you've never read the Bible before um, and you have been coming here for the past four weeks, which I hope you have, you're going to finish your first book of the Bible reading all the way through from a Sunday morning, which is really cool. Um, so we are kind of going to go into this in a second, but here are the common themes, and maybe some of these uh, stand out to you. Maybe you've picked up others along the way, but here are some of the things that I think that we've learned throughout this uh, book. Uh, he has taught us a lot about unity. Paul has coached us a lot about harmony. Um, he's talked to us a lot about being thankful uh, he's talked a lot about being joyful. In fact, joy is the word, I think it appears 59 times throughout this book. Um, he has talked to us about maturity. And if you go back to chapter one, I, I talked about this the first week. He goes, I want you to understand what really matters. So he's talking to church people. He's talking to people who have said, I am chosen to follow Christ, Christians, okay? And he goes, more than anything, when I write this book, I want you to understand what really matters. If I was a high school basketball coach, one of the things that I would preach is, what really matters is not how well you do on the basketball court because life is so much bigger than this awesome sport that we play. I want you to understand what really matters, what really goes into life. And so all throughout, he has this, like, this, these, um, these compelling thoughts and this compelling love towards this group, and it doesn't stop there. So we're going to pick up in Philippians chapter 4, verse 1. The verses will be on the screen, or you could take out your Bible or your phone and follow along. Use the version Bible app, okay? It says, Therefore... My dear brothers and sisters, there it is. He's kind of wrapping up his letter, and he goes, you are so special to me, dear brothers and sisters. Stay true to the Lord. When I think about that, I think of an arrow, right? You have the target, and you pull back that arrow, and you want that arrow to stay true to hit that target. And that is the meaning of this word here. Stay true Stay on the straight and narrow. This is what I want most for you. Of all the things, stay true to the Lord. Because why? Verse two, I love you 
And I want to see you, I long to see you, dear friends. You are my joy and the crown I receive in this work. I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. But there was an issue. See, generally speaking, this church had a lot going for them. It was small. It was struggling. In fact, what we know throughout history, it probably was persecuted. But they were strong. But there was one thing going on that we haven't talked a whole lot about, and it's why he set this up when he talked about humility and unity and harmony and maturity. He gets to verse 2, and he goes, I'm going to appeal to two of you. Your names are Yodia and Sintik, two prominent women in this church we're going to see in just a second. He says, please, he's begging them, please, because you belong to the Lord, because you say you're a Christian, because you say you follow Jesus, this is really, really important to settle your disagreement. Now, we don't know all the story of what was going on, in this church that he praised over and over again for their love and their support, but there was an issue because there were these two people somehow were fighting over something. And it was affecting the most important thing, the unity of the church and their testimony for God. And so he appeals to someone else in the church. He goes, and I ask you, my true partner, we don't have the name there, to help these two women for they worked hard with me in telling others the good news. They worked along with Clement. We don't know who that is either. Maybe it's a church leader or another uh, uh, person in the church. They worked along with Clement and the rest of my coworkers who are names are written in the book of life. He goes, you need to settle this thing. We went through so much together. You helped me. We were out there sharing good news together. We were working on projects. We were, we were there to help the poor and the needy. We were there to start this church so others could hear the good news. And he goes, but something's come up. And guess what it's doing? It's tearing your church apart. With everything in me, people, hey, other people, come around them. Let's get to the bottom of this. Verse 4, always be full of joy in the Lord. And I say it again, rejoice. And he says an interesting phrase here. Let everyone see, please, for the love of God, let everyone see that you are considerate in all that you do. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. What do you think he's saying here? There's an eternal perspective that you're missing out on because you're worried about the little things that you have going on. This book really is about perspective. Actually, God's word is about perspective. As Christians, we need to change our perspective. When we are able to change our perspective, we are able to see things in a way that God intended for us to see them. But the problem is, is we get hung up with our own stuff. The Lord is coming soon. You don't have time to waste. There's something way bigger. Put your disagreement to the side. Let everyone around you, outside the church, let you, let you be known for being considerate. I talked about this a couple weeks ago, about being putting others ahead of yourself, about deferring to one another. That's true humility. That's how you pursue unity in the church. Let's keep reading in verse six. Don't worry about anything. 
Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. And then you'll experience God's peace, which exceeds your heart's... Uh, any, sorry. Uh, then we can uh, experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. This is one of those verses where you might take out your highlighter and highlight it, right? Don't worry about anything. I don't think he's being trite when he says this. I actually do think he's appealing, and he understands how hard this is. Remember, he's on house arrest when he's writing this book. He, more than anyone else, is struggling. He knows he's nearing the end of his life. He knows that the trial that he's about to face might not go so well for him. And yet he's still able to say, don't worry about it. Pray about everything. Tell God what you need. Don't hold back. Don't hold back. I think when Roger and Sherry uh, preached this past summer, they, they talked a little bit around that. Don't hold back. Tell God what you're struggling with. He can handle it. His shoulders are big enough. Thank him for all he's done. I think this is a perspective thing, right? When we could turn that inward thing into something outward, God, I'm going to thank you for all the good things. It does something to our heart and our minds and our spirits. He goes, then if you can do that, if you can do that, if we can get to that point, church, then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. This, is a, this verse is huge for me because I've lived it over and over again. How many times I've talked to people who have suffered loss or suffered tragedy and they say, I can't explain it, but there is this supernatural peace that I feel. Some of those people have been you. Verse eight. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. I'm wrapping it up here now, he says. I've coached you along the way and don't miss what I'm about to tell you right here. He says, fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Perspective shift. Perspective shift. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. He says, if you want to, well, let me read that next line, actually. Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing, then the God of peace will be with you. He goes, before you do, before you put into practice something, what do you need to do? You need to get it in your mind. Our actions flow out of our thoughts. Our actions flow out of our hearts. And how do we align our hearts? The word of God, scripture. When we can hide God's word in our hearts, Psalm says, we won't sin against God. We'll be convicted of the things that we know we shouldn't do or think or feel. And that's not to say we never sin again or we won't. I'm not saying that at all. You guys know that. 
what I'm saying is we will know, we will have a guy, we have that Holy Spirit who comes with us and, and we, we, we live by what he tells us. There has to be a change in our hearts first and then we go and then we do. Think about the things that are true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Put into practice all you learned and received from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. This word peace comes up a lot and we're gonna talk about it towards the end. I've said it a lot here. I said, I think the thing in this world that we're most searching for is peace. And I would also put joy in there as well. If I had a raise of hand, we, we want to live a life that is fulfilling and joyful. And I actually think there's this word that sums it all up. We'll talk about it in a bit. All right, let's keep moving. Verse 10. How I praise the Lord that you are concerned about me again. I know you've always been concerned for me, but you didn't have the chance to help me. Not that I was ever in need, for I've learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I love this next part. I've learned the secret of living in every situation, I'm going to stop there for a second. We've entitled this series, Unlocking the Secrets of Christian Living. And we've talked through that. Because here, here's why I could stand up here today. I'm able to teach about the things I'm so passionate about. For not just Hope Church, although that is my primary goal, but for God's church in general. It hurts me, it deeply pains me to see God's church divided. It deeply pains me to see people that divide over silly things that aren't humble enough to defer to others, who aren't humble enough to actually maybe see another people's perspective, another person's perspective. And what I've tried to call us back to and what Carrie and I have tried to do is bring us back to what really goes into living our lives in such a way as God says that he, people will see your good works and glorify who? The Father who's in heaven, right? So how do we live that way? One of the things I said is, we go back to chapter one, we unlock that secret. It's we are in this struggle together. Do not think that that's just kind of like, kind of some soft, you know, little lob. It's not. When we actually get around true community as a Christian, as believers, there is something that happens that we, we have access to something now that we probably have not had access to ever before. I've told this story before. I will never forget in college um, joining a small group of guys for the first time. And, and no one told us to do it. We just kind of did it on our own. We're like, we want to know more about what the Bible says. And so we actually got together at my buddy's house off campus and a whole bunch of us guys are sitting around and we just started looking at God's word. And I still remember to this day the impact that that made on me. Like we can do this together. We're going through all the same things. We're going through all the same stage of life. That's why I believe so much in our groups. Just this morning was able to pray with a couple people here at church who were going through some things and it was, it was heavy for them. 
and they know that they could come and say, I just need a safe place to talk about it and to pray. We are in this struggle together, people. And I want Hope Church, you people to know, we are here for each other. You are here for the person sitting next to you, for the here, here for the person sitting across the aisle. So we are in this struggle together. The second thing I talked about is another key to living the Christian life, and that is humility wins. Humility wins. We live in a culture that is all about me, 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 and I, 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 and what I can get, and yet when we truly practice humility, it changes things. It changes other people's perspective about Christians. Third, we talk that we need to seek freedom from entitlement, that we give up. Again, all these are very closely related, right? They're all very relational, that we need to be aware of our brothers and sisters, not just here, but around us in our communities. And we need to give up for them. And I look at this, and it's almost like written out this last and final one that I want to talk about. He goes, because I've learned the secret of living in every situation, good or bad. Whether it's with a full stomach or empty, he says. With plenty or little, he says. And then we get to this verse that I highlighted and maybe some of you have highlighted or that you've known. He says, I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. So I take my key and I put it in the lock and I open the door and I realize that a key to living to this life in the way that God wants me to live is that I do everything through Christ. Everything through Christ. Every decision that you make, every step that you take, consider Christ. Now, I don't know all of what that means for you. Maybe that's another sermon series, how we really dig that out. But here's how I thought about it this week. Um, in my... Uh, for, for some reason, went to flip on the light switch last week uh, at, the, at our front door, and we had no power. And uh, two of the switches had no power. One of them did. Something was going on. And it's the switch that controlled the outside lights kind of going up my driveway. We have, like, lights on poles and then at the end of our driveway. And initially, I went up to the top of the driveway, and I... And I um, uh, shook the, the light up there, and it would go on and off. I'm like, oh, there's something. There's something loose there. There's a connection. So uh, I went, and I undid the electrical panel, and I shut off the breaker, and I'm, I'm looking at all the different solutions for what could have been. And finally, where it's at right now is I have tried everything that I know, and I've got to pick up the phone, and I've got to call an electrician because I cannot find that disconnection. And so I was able to do what I had to do to get the one switch working, but I have now in my house two outlets or two switches that aren't working and, of course, the outside lights. But it actually gave me pause and it gave me thought because I thought about what it means to live through Christ. And I remember a while back in one of my classes uh, in Bible, a pastor, and you know, some people could just go off the top of their head and speak. And he said, 
you need to talk about this. And it, or he said, give me ideas, uh, and I'll just tell you what I'm talking about. And, he, and someone said, an outlet. And I think they thought they were being funny. And what he went on to kind of elaborate on as this gift of, of speaking that he had is he took the power cord and he plugged it into that outlet. And he went on this whole thing about when you are plugged in to the power source. That's when now God's power can flow what? Through you. And people will see because that light is plugged in. And it was just like, boom. Like I never thought you could speak on a power outlet, right? And I thought about that today. When I think about living through Christ, here's what I would say. We need to plug in to the power source. If we don't plug in to the power source, to each other, to God's word, we will be disconnected and our lights will not shine. And the whole point of this book, as I wrap up, is that's what he's saying. He goes, church, I love you so much, I do not want you to lose your influence in the world. And all the things that are going on, you've done pretty well. You've let your light shine. This one little thing is, has a little scar. You need to clean that up. But more than anything, I want you to be plugged in to the source. I want you to know what really matters. Everything through Christ who strengthens me. I want to read the rest of it so we can say we read the whole thing. As you know, the Philippians were the only ones who gave me financial help when I first brought you the good news and traveled down from Macedonia. No other church did this. Even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent help more than once. I don't say this because I want a gift from you. Rather, I want you to receive a reward for your kindness. At the moment, I have all I need and more. I'm generously supplied with the gifts that you sent me, Epaphroditus. Remember, he was the guy who they sent to help him out. They're a sweet-smelling sacrifice that is acceptable and pleasing to God. And this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches, which has been given to us in Christ Jesus. Now all glory to God our Father forever and ever. Amen. Give my greetings to each of God's holy people, all who belong to Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me send their greetings, and all the rest of God's people send you greetings too, especially those in Caesar's household. And may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. And my final word today is that word spirit. There is something that happens in our spirit, this joy, this peace that we search for. You know what? The Jews have a great word for it. It's called shalom. It is not just a greeting. It's not just a hello. It is may peace fill your spirit. May fulfillment fill your spirit. It's a feeling of well-being in our soul. An inward tranquility of the soul. And the full meaning of that word shalom is that you become complete. Complete. Church, I have had so much fun. I do like my job, I promise. I've had so much fun speaking on this, uh, this uh, book of the Bible. 
It's amazing. I hope that you've been able to pull out for yourselves and have gone on for yourselves the amazing depth of truth here. But more than anything, again, hear what I'm saying. Hear what I'm saying. Why do we even talk about this? Because God wants nothing more for you than for you to be light and salt. And when we come together, this is the church. And the church has a responsibility in this world to be light and salt and not to do anything that puts a blemish on God's name. Yeah, we're all coming from different places. We're all different parts of our journey. Guess what? We're never all gonna agree. We're never gonna all agree. I don't want you to. That's terrible. But I do believe the church can disagree in a healthy way that should not limit the mission of the church. Because then, because then and only then, people will be able to look and say, I want what they have. That's the doorway. That's the doorway. We are the doorway. And if we could get our hearts and minds around that, all the little things go away. They don't matter. Let's bow our heads. Let's close our eyes. You know, we all need a coach because we all need to be reminded. We all need to be reminded of the basics. Love wins. Humility wins. People matter. Don't get so caught up in your own stuff that you forget that. If you're here today and you say, you know what, Tom, I'm with you and I want that for myself. I've never really heard a Christian talk this way and that's attractive to me. I want to encourage you with this. God says, when we call on his name, we will be saved. You believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, we talked about that a few weeks ago because the whole church at Philippi was, was started with someone who said that and we have that record in the Bible. He says, what do I need to do to get that? He goes, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so in your own way, in your own words, in this moment, what you could say is, God, I want you in my life. I need you in my life. God, I realize that you have died on the cross to take away my sin, a punishment that I deserved, and you did it on my behalf so that I can have a life with you for eternity. God, come into my heart. Save me. I want to be your child. You can do that on your own. You don't have to have special words. It's not about the words you say. It's about the, the attitude of your heart. And if you end up praying a prayer like that today, I want you to let us know on that Guest Connect card. You could email me or Carrie or any one of our staff. And we'll follow up with you and show you your next steps. Because there's nothing more important 
than secure in that relationship with Jesus. God, thank you for this day. I thank you for this book, this challenging, encouraging book. And I pray that as a church, that we go out from here as light and salt in the world. That we would put away the things that we don't need to worry about because the big picture is it's just so much bigger than us. We love you and we express that to you in this moment. In Jesus' name, amen.